0: I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. On November 14th, Washington Post Live hosted its second Global Women's Summit in partnership with Tina Brown Media. And I kick things off with two separate and powerful conversations. Zippy Livni, former Israeli foreign minister and former vice prime minister. There is no equivalency uh, between terrorist
1: organization that is looking for women and children and babies to kill and to torture, and between uh, the army of a uh, democracy like Israel that is acting
0: against terror
1: and trying to avoid civil
0: casualties. International award-winning journalist Rula Jabriel.
2: We're seeing a, a total obliteration of Gaza. It is, you know, erase raise, not only the 30,000 Hamas militants, but this is a war we can see that Israel is looking at all Gazans million people as target.
0: One Israeli, one Palestinian, each woman speaking with authority on the Israel-Hamas war from their respective vantage points. Two conversations you don't want to miss, and they start now. The front pages of today's Washington Post, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal have stories about the heavy fighting near Al-Shifa, Gaza's largest hospital. Here's the Post's reporting, and I quote... Israel maintains Hamas fighters are operating out of buildings designated for humanitarian purposes, including medical facilities, schools, and mosques. Doctors, first responders, and the few aid workers still left in the area have denied giving cover to militants and are pleading with the international community for a ceasefire. Now, Minister Livni, Israel has a right to defend itself, but how does it do so without incurring massive Palestinian casualties? According to the Palestinian uh, Health Ministry, more than 11,000 people have been killed since the war began.
1: At first, uh, I would like to uh, share a bit what happened uh, in uh, October 7, the massacre, uh, because uh, we are speaking about women here. And women were killed, uh, gang-raped, um, tortured before killing them. Women were raped. Uh, I think that this week uh, one of uh, the women that was kidnapped gave birth to a baby. This is uh, the assumption, and uh, we have a mother of uh, in, with a nine-month-year uh, nine-month-old uh, uh, baby. So this is what happened to them. On October 7. Now let's speak about what's happening in Gaza now. First, there is no equivalency uh, between terrorist organization that is looking for women and children and babies to kill and to torture and between uh, the army of a democracy like Israel that is acting against terror and trying to avoid civil casualties. I was also in the security cabinet in Israel before as the justice minister, foreign minister, and we are acting in accordance to the international law. I'm not sure whether you saw what uh, the IDF spokesperson showed yesterday from another hospital uh, in Gaza where they uh, hide some, uh, probably, some of the uh, people that they uh, hijacked from Israel Uh, All the population uh, is asked by Israel to leave the places before we attack these places. Uh, Hamas is using these uh, civilians and ask them to stay while we are asking them to leave. We are trying to cooperate with the hospital management and asking them to evacuate the hospital if we need to do something within these places, not because we want to attack civilians, not at all, We are trying to avoid it, but since Hamas is using these hospitals, and since Hamas built underneath this, uh, underneath Gaza Street, uh, uh, the entire city uh, that they are using for terror, there is no other alternative, unfortunately. And during the order, unfortunately, there are also civil casualties. But you never, there is no democratic system where you compare, uh, according to legal systems, that murdered deliberately and somebody that killed unfortunately somebody by mistake I mean the grief of the families is the same but from a moral perspective from a legal perspective it's completely different
0: Minister Lifney, let me get you on uh, another breaking news thing in the Washington Post today. Washington Post opinion writer David Ignatius reports in his column that went online yesterday and is in the paper today, quote, Israel and Hamas are close to a hostage deal that would free most of the Israeli women and children who were kidnapped on October 7th. According to a high-ranking Israeli official, the agreement could be announced within days if final details are resolved, he said. Um, Do you have any information on that? And it, it, it... Is that a realistic possibility?
1: First, I hope so. Uh, Since October 7, there is no one day that I'm not thinking about those that were taken. Uh, We meet their families. You know, Israel is a small country, and each and one of us knows somebody was uh, ejected or killed during uh, uh, this attack. Uh, And frankly, when uh, uh, there is a demand from Israel to act in accordance to humanitarian law, and these kidnappers are not seeing uh, Red Cross representatives. I think that they should be released no matter what. Hamas is not doing so. I hope that the deal will uh, uh, will be signed. Uh, but yet, as far as my understanding goes, it's not uh, about releasing all of the hostages, but just uh, a few dozens. and uh, that's. Uh, so this is just part of the goal of, of the operation.
0: Right. David goes on to report that um, uh, Israel wants all of, uh, of all 100 women and children taken from Israel to be, to be released. Minister Livni, you've, you've said the war in Gaza is not just about October 7th, the October 7th attack on Israel, but many people, including President Biden, has called the attack, quote, Israel's 9-11. Talk about the emotional and psychological impact this terrorist attack has had on the Israeli people?
1: Frankly, we are in a national drama. Israel is a strong country, but yet uh, we discovered that uh, we are very vulnerable. As I said before, each one of us knows somebody who was killed, injured, kidnapped. Uh, Some of us also saw the pictures, the videos, that Israel does not release until now. it's, it's horrific. Uh, you cannot sleep at night after uh, seeing these kind of atrocities. Uh, I think uh, the Secretary Blinken uh, shared with the Congress some of what happened there. Uh, but yet, uh, you know, I'm used to, uh, to, to, to be in a war zone since I was born in Israel. I'm old enough to remember the Six Days Wars and Yom Kippur War and the Intifada where buses exploded uh, with suicide bombers, but this is completely different. And uh, we have no other option but to eliminate Hamas because you know that we've tried everything. Uh, I supported the disengagement from Gaza. Uh, Israel dismantled all the settlements from Gaza. We approved are, we are uh, uh, our army. Uh, for 20 years, there is no one Israeli soldier or one settlement in Gaza Street. And we were thinking about the Palestinians building greenhouses, but yet we got a green flag of Hamas on our souls in in response. We had rounds of operation trial to to, uh, act against them, hoping to uh, gain deterrence or reach ceasefire, understandings of ceasefire, but it never never succeeded for uh, more than a few years. So now, uh, um, I think that the entire, not the entire, but the US uh, leadership and other leaders understand that the only option uh, to achieve peace, hopefully in the future between Israel and the Palestinians, okay, uh, Hamas and not let them continue in control the Palestinians and uh, harm uh, Israel as they did before.
0: Minister Livni, we have just over three, three minutes left. Hopefully, we can uh, squeeze in uh, two more questions, but I'm going to ask you, this might be our last question. I want you to go back to something you said a, mom- a moment ago, which is that a solution here is to dismantle Hamas. And what do you say to those who believe you can't completely eradicate Hamas because Hamas is more than a militant group in Gaza, but an idea that lives in various parts of the world?
1: So let's speak about what is the idea? The idea is to be are Jews or not to accept the right of Israel to exist in the region. Ham- the Hamas idea, this Jihadist idea, is not legitimate. And therefore, it's not about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I negotiated peace with the Palestinians. They have legitimate national aspirations, but this is not Hamas, because Hamas represent religious Jihadist ideology. And therefore, this is step one. Hopefully in the future, we can create also different education, a better understanding by the Palestinians that Israel is not uh, the enemy or that uh, what Hamas did to them is also unacceptable. So it will take time. I'm not saying that this is going to happen just uh, the day after uh, war, but we need to start from something. And Hamas is an obstacle for peace. And Hamas is an obstacle also for the Palestinian uh, to live a better life in Gaza Street. Um,
0: we have about 90 seconds left. And of course, I'm going to ask you a complicated question. Um, um, many officials uh, elected officials uh, in um, the israeli government have have taken personal responsibility for what happened on october 7th notably noticeably absent from that is israeli prime minister benjamin netanyahu taking personal responsibility why has he not been more forthrightly more forthright in taking responsibility for the failures and shortcomings that have been reported.
1: We are during during war, so I don't want to enter, to criticize my own uh, prime minister, but yet I'm his political opponent. He shouldn't stay. And I believe that he would not stay as a prime minister after the war. We deserve a better leadership.
0: And on that, we will end, (laughs) we will end there. Zippy Livni, former Israeli foreign minister and former vice prime minister, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Okay, I'm not the only one who didn't see that coming. Um, In all seriousness, since Israel began its ground operations on October 27th, Gaza has faced frequent disruptions in communications and near total blackouts. Hospitals struggle to report their conditions, and humanitarian agencies are worried about their medical staff. Joining us now, international award-winning journalist Rula Jibril. Rula, welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning.
2: Thank you, Thank Jonathan, you and I'm, I'm really sorry, sorry not to sorry. be able to be there in person. However, I was advised to, do to my safety, to avoid being in Washington, D.C. today. It's tragic that voices who have been advocating for equal rights, democracy, and freedom for all are today intimidated, but I won't be silenced or intimidated.
0: Well, Rula, for you, what's happening is, is personal. Uh, you were raised in an orphanage in East Jerusalem, and you still have family and loved ones in Israel, Jerusalem, and the West Bank. How are they doing, and what are they telling you?
2: Well, my, as I said, as you said, I was raised in an orphanage in East Jerusalem, but the women who built that orphanage where the women who rescued survivors from a village that was destroyed in 1948, that was called al-Nakba, or our catastrophe as Palestinians, where entire villages, hundreds were wiped out, and 700,000 were forcefully expelled, ethnically cleansed. Those women always told us that this can happen again. I thought it was trauma and their pain speaking for them. However, when I see Israeli ministers invoking on national television a second Nakba for Gaza, I fear that the war on Gaza is not only a war on Hamas, but it's a war on civilians.
0: Um, Rula, you've said the events of October 7th can be traced back to a deal um, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made back in 2006 with Hamas in a prisoner exchange. Explain that.
2: Well, actually, it was Tina Brown, who is there today, who sent me in 2010 to interview Yaakov Perry, who was, who was the head of Sh- uh, Shin Bet uh, or the FBI of Israel. And in that famous interview, he always said that the main strategy of Bibi Netanyahu on his far-right coalition is to strengthen Hamas in order to thwart the establishment of the Palestinian state. Bibi Netanyahu said the same thing, his Minister of Finance, Smutrich, said it that Hamas is an asset and the Palestinian Authority. So we could see through decades after decade the same coalition that incited against Prime Minister Rabin, who was killed simply because he talked to the Palestinians, treated them as a human being, and cut a deal with them, a political deal. He was assassinated. With it, what was assassinated, the idea that you can end Palestinian subjugation, and give, concede to the Palestinians a piece of territory that they can build a state on. Today, those same forces are telling us that the only way Israel can feel safe is if Palestinians don't exist. And this is not only dangerous for Palestinians, for Israelis and Americans.
0: Really, you just heard, Prime, uh, uh, heard Minister Livni. She says this war is not just about what happened on October 7th. Uh, as a journalist, you've covered four wars in Gaza. What makes this one different?
2: I also covered the Gaza, uh, apologies, Israel war in Lebanon 2006. What is much more different this time, that we have the, main, the idea that we need to destroy Palestinians is now becoming mainstream, it's not only on the right, you have the president himself. It's, it's Herzog who says that Palestinians there's no innocent civilians. In one month, we've seen 12,000 people killed. Apologies, 11, of which 5,000 uh, children. This is the same amount of people who are killed in Ukraine in one year. We're seeing a, a total obliteration of Gaza. It reminds me of, of a war correspondent of what I saw in Grozny, what Putin did, and also what Assad did in Aleppo. It is, you know, erase not only the thirty thousand Hamas militants, but this is a war. We can see that Israel is looking at all Gazans, two point two million people, as target. And this is really dangerous. We've never seen this before because in former conflict with Hamas, there are always, you know, thousands of dead people. But there's always a point where you could see that the prime minister at the time never vocally said that he wants to reoccupy and resettle and dominate in perpetuity Gaza and the West Bank at the same time. So while Gaza, while well, all eyes on Gaza, you can see the settlers backed by the army is basically ethnic cleansed after in the West Bank. I mean, I never seen that people like myself who are citizens of Israel, our status as second class citizens is enshrined in a law that was passed in 2018. I am not treated as an equal to any of my fellow Jewish citizens simply because of my ethnicity and my religion where you can see that in a democracy, you have ethnicity and your own religion, Trump, citizenship, and democracy itself. And this is the troubling part of all of this.
0: let me get you, um, you've, used some, you've used some words, some language um, that are, and I understand where you're coming from, that are pretty hot button. And what I'm, I'm are you saying that the official policy of the Israeli government is ethnic cleansing, is the eradication uh, of the Palestinian people, that that is the official policy of Israel? Or are you saying that the result of the IDF trying to root out Hamas is leading to the eradication of the Palestinian people? There's a difference between official policy and consequence.
2: Jonathan. My job is not to say what everybody wants me to say or what everybody wants to hear. My job is to say what nobody is saying. If you listen to Israeli officials, minister after minister of this far-right government, they're telling you in words and deeds what they want to do. In the last two weeks, you have five ministers of the Bibi Netanyahu government talking about ethnic cleansing. They talked about the Nakba, They invoked destroying completely Gaza. None of them, except the minister who uh, talked about dropping an atomic bomb, was was not sacked. He was basically, you know, put aside for a while, but he was not fired. But that is now mainstream position. And if you translate to that, to what the army is doing, clearly they are not seeing Palestinians as human being, but as human animals, as they were called over and again by the army, by the minister of defense, by the president himself, and many other officials. What I fear the most, that I understand what I am saying is harsh, but we need to understand that what's happening in the ground is a clear policy of destroying Palestinians, not only Hamas. This is a war on Palestinians.
0: Uh, Rula, we have just over three minutes left. I'm going to try to squeeze in two, two more questions. Um, uh, Israeli leaders have vowed to wipe Hamas, quote, off the fa- face of the earth. Uh, talk about Hamas and its role in the lives uh, of the Palestinian people. Can Hamas be eradicated?
2: I look at the war on terror, the successes and defeats of America's war on terror, since we compared what happened on October 7th to the war on terror. According to General Petraeus, but according also to every Israeli military leader, there's no military solution to this conflict. You can eradicate a militant group, but, the all, but you cannot eradicate that by killing, mass killing civilians. That would be a war crime. But not only that, this would, this would strengthen that ideology. General Petraeus in his surge in Iraq, Where you had 100 terrorist attacks a day, the only way you could kill that militant group or their ideology is by ending the disenfranchisement and subjugations of the people. Ending military occupation will not only end Hamas, will end the violence, will reduce the violence exponentially. This is according to every Shin every Mossad leader. This is according to even Israeli leaders, whether Ahud Barak and Ehud Olmert. When Ahud Barak was asked in 2019, if you were born in Gaza, what would you be? You know what he said? I would be a terrorist. People were yeah. shocked at that remark. But we need to address the underlying condition that feeds that ideology in order to defeat that ideology.
0: Rula, we've got 90 seconds left, uh, so this will have to be my last question. Uh, Are peace and a two-state solution still possible?
2: Yes, yes, it's the only viable way. I I am 50-year-old Jonathan. I believe that we owe this to the next generation, to our children who already suffered enough multiple wars. Israeli and Palestinians, as somebody whose family members are Christian, Muslim, and Jews, The possibility of coexistence is real. The founding father of Israel themselves talked in the Declaration of Independence about equal rights for all. They didn't talk about a supremacy of one group over another. We know, as Americans also, that having a multi-ethnic, multi-racial democracy can work, but you need to work for it. Peace is not achieved by bombing hospitals and schools peace achieved by acknowledging the humanity of of the other side, having empathy, and also granting them dignity and freedom. I mean, nobody can believe that if you occupy Gaza and build settlements on the graveyards of Palestinian children, anybody will be safe or anybody will be free. We have all to be safe and free together.
0: International award-winning journalist, Rula Jibril Rula, thank you very much for being here today. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's edited by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Thursday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.